on. I'm on three seats. Look, there goes the game. You're listening to Ithaca Now, WICB's weekly news podcast focused on stories in the Ithaca community. I'm your host, Jay Bradley, and thanks for joining us. First of all, I want to say congratulations to the class of 2020. I personally know many friends graduating this year who have had plans upended, finishing up their last bit of coursework this week, or if they're in high school, have just a little bit more to go. Congratulations to everyone, you did it, or at least are right there about to. In this edition of Ithaca Now, you'll be hearing how local religious groups are adjusting to services from home. Most weeks there's something about doing the worship together or whatever that may have a little bit of a glitch and people have been very patient with that. And how the food industry has been shaken. Even right here in Tompkins. But up first, WICB correspondent Himadri Sepp reached out to Cayuga Medical Center to hear their story on how they've dealt with COVID-19. Two months ago, Ithaca announced its first confirmed case of COVID-19. Colleges were closed, businesses came to a halt, and an eerie silence set in of people sitting inside their homes, hoping that this simple act of theirs would help bring an end to this invisible enemy. Today, Tompkins County has conducted over 6,000 tests, and most of the over 100 people who tested positive have recovered. With the stage now set for reopening, we have come a long way. And the people we have to thank the most for this are those on the front lines of this medical battle, our healthcare workers. We talked to John Turner, Vice President of Public Relations at Cayuga Medical Center about their journey through the pandemic. Within days of that first confirmed case, we stood up uh, a sampling center, uh, smaller scale, um, but we knew that we needed to have the opportunity for uh, people to drive in and have our team in PPE and do uh, do the swabs of the throat and nose, uh, which is the recommendation, and needed to stand that up pretty quick. So within days, we were able to do that on a small scale. And at the same time, almost at a dual track, we were planning a mass sampling center, which opened at the shops at Ithaca Mall that could handle hundreds of cars in a day. And uh, so the following week, we actually, uh, working with Tompkins County, were able to, to get that moving and uh, and test more people. Turner emphasized the necessity of swift decision-making in tackling this problem. I, th- I think it uh, really comes down back to leadership and uh, our president and CEO, Dr. Marty Stallone, uh, is a phenomenal leader and he also has a, he's in the National Guard, so he has a military background. Um, but I think that um, his decisive leadership right out of the gate on this, and then with letting everybody know that Um, We need to push aside everything we're working on and focus on this response. Ensuring the safety of the staff was equally important. We have a really good infection control um, uh, team led by Dr. Doug McQueen. um, And and that's important because you have to develop protocols on how you treat COVID-19 patients. You have to protect the staff. You have to make sure the staff are wearing the appropriate uh, protective gear. So there are a lot of moving parts to it. And finally, allocation of all possible resources towards dealing with the coronavirus was vital. Some areas of uh, 
of our health system uh, slowed down because patient volume went down because people weren't coming, get going out anywhere. So we were able to take uh, our team that works in sports medicine and deploy them over to help with the, this mass sampling center. So we moved staff around. Uh, our team really, really uh, did a great job uh, responding to this and continues to. Uh, another part of that is uh, um, we sent a, a team uh, 51 people down to uh, New York Presbyterian in New York City to uh, work alongside the team down there. A team that returned a month later on 7th May to continue operations in Donkins County. But what about the other medical procedures that many people still continue to need despite worldwide attention on the pandemic? Turner said that their needs are not being ignored with Cayuga Medical Center having resumed elective surgeries on Monday, the 4th of May. Our OR teams have been back, um, um, and that's important because people also need to take care of their health. So on the one side, we have a return to normal business operations and meeting the healthcare needs of the community. We have cardiac patients, cancer patients, uh, patients that require orthopedic surgery and other surgeries. Um, that work has to continue. But at the same time, COVID-19 can certainly not yet be discarded as a concern of the past. And then on the same dual path is making sure that we continue um, the response. We still have uh, COVID-19 patients that we're treating uh, as well. Um, and then we're also uh, doing the mass sampling center and running that. So it's keeping the COVID-19 response operating at 100% uh, capacity and making sure we can handle that. Obviously, as people go back to work, we're going to have to, to test and sample more people um, to get them ready to return to the workforce. So our, the mission is still continuing. According to Turner, the way forward is to embrace... Uh, you hear everybody, it's probably one of the most uh, overused terms, but the new normal. To realize that some things are just not going to be the same and that they're not going to be the same for a while. He reiterated that in a slow reopening that is going to go on for months, in which events like sports and entertainment, which many crave, are possibly going to be the last to open, it is important for people to put their health first. You can't really let your guard down until they actually have a vaccine, which we're hopeful. There's been a lot of, uh, a lot of um, positive news on that front, but until you can actually um, provide a vaccine to people and, and protect against this, we're gonna to have to learn to live with it. The social distancing will, will be a part of that. The masks in public places, I think, will be a part of that for a while. A part of the new normal is the increasing use of telehealth services, an idea that has been in planning stages for years now, but saw sudden robust implementation during the pandemic. Turner believes that it is a great way for patients to avoid exposure and keep themselves safe. I think telehealth is here to stay. I think that um, um, it's a good tool, especially when people can't get out. But the one thing that it's, it's, it's always measured with, but if patients need to come in and see their doctor, nurse practitioner, PA, they need to come into the office, um, we need to make sure we have very safe environments for that and they need to come into the office. So it's, I think, a combination, but I think it's definitely a worthwhile tool and it's good. Uh, it's worked out very well. It's allowed the, the, the doctors to stay connected with the patients and, and, the, and also the, uh, the mid-levels as well, the PAs and the nurse practitioners. Despite some of the skepticism it has faced, telehealth is not something to fear, according to Turner, 
who gave the example of his 90-year-old mother who now visits her doctor online. Her physician has, has seen her for 25 years, so her, her doctor knows her well. And But just it, 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 that interaction, I think people are open to it, um, and I don't see any downside to it at all. I think any way that you can make it more convenient for patients, um, it, and I think there's a lot of patients that are more comfortable, hey, I'm not feeling well, this is kind of what I'm experiencing, then the doctor can make an assessment, well, you know what, maybe you need to come in and let's, let's look at this a little further, but it's a touch point, and uh, to be used with other touch points, and that also includes an office visit. Turner says he is thankful for all the aid that they have received from the community, starting all the way back in March. So we, we've had an outpouring, everything from uh, surgical masks, uh, to gowns, to gloves, to hand sanitizers, to wipes, to food. It covers the whole gamut of, of, uh, of things, but the community has been very, very generous. The community can still continue to support the hospital in a variety of ways. I think number one is um, people um, just need to support our hospital by using our services. And we have uh, state-of-the-art healthcare here. We have an amazing medical staff that covers a lot of different specialties. But I would say the community to support this wonderful hospital by using our services. Second of all, um, you know, um, the donations have been very much appreciated and uh, you know, I, I'm certain because we're still in this that there will be other needs, whether it's uh, uh, surgical masks um, or P other PPE. Um, you know, we are going to be in this for a while. Um, and the other thing people can do um, is, well, if they're exhibiting any symptoms of COVID-19, whether it's a cough, sore throat, and other uh, areas, they should get tested. And I think that's the other thing the community can do is pay attention to your health. And most importantly, yeah, I think I think another message uh, for that um, that people can do is um, social distancing and uh, wearing masks when out in public. Um, it's not so much for you; it's for us. So you're helping to protect others around you, and I I think that's um, another uh, piece to really um, remember, especially going into the warmer weather. Everybody wants to go out and enjoy the weather, but just be mindful that this virus. Um, does not have a vaccine yet, and it's still around. Um, and we're, we're um, um, in a containment period right now, but it wouldn't take much to change that. Um, and just stay safe. One way in which you can make your contribution is by donating to WICB's GoFundMe campaign to support the Cayuga Health System. You can find the link attached to this story on WICB.org or simply type WICB Cayuga Health GoFundMe campaign to your search engine. Our health system is doing a lot for us. Let's do our part by continuing to socially distance and show them our support in whatever way possible. For WICB News, I'm Himadri Seth. You're listening to Ithaca Now on 92WICB. I'm your host, Jay Bradley. With New York mostly still on pause, the last set of months have been just one series of adjustments after another. With help from correspondents Chella Beeks and Alex Dean, we reached out to one type of group that's keeping together, even when they're apart. 
In a typical week, a lot of people will have one day where they get up, put on nicer clothes, and go to a religious service, participating not only in their respective worship services, but also having a community wherever that may be. The only thing is, we haven't had a typical week for a while now. Across the country, religious institutions are still doing service every week and more, just this time without the congregation all in the same place. So Zoom has seemed to work best for us for worship services because we can still allow people to participate, say things, share things during the service. It has its drawbacks. That's Debbie Reynolds, the pastor at First Baptist Church in Ithaca. Religion isn't something people can just put on pause like some other things, leaving religious leaders here in Ithaca and all over to quickly work out technical bugs and trying to reach out to their congregations. I think there's been a lot of um, creativity and also patience with knowing we're not, it's not going to be perfect. And most weeks there's something about doing the worship together or whatever that may have a little bit of a glitch. And people have been very patient with that. Almost all in the area have yeah, found some way to stream their service. Zoom is a common one, but some, like David Caden, minister at the First Congregational Church in Ithaca, felt more suited to other tools. And we chose the YouTube platform because there's no upper limit on how many people can participate on a Sunday morning, which is different from how a lot of other churches are treating live streaming. Uh, but right from the beginning, from my perspective at least, I wanted to put something in place that would have longevity on its side. So then we could use this platform and then, you know, whenever we can meet again in person, we can continue to use that platform. Be it YouTube premieres, Facebook Live, or holding service through Zoom, groups have had to ask themselves, what is the best answer for them? I think the intimacy and the participation side versus the, we want it to be a good product that is sort of done right, is one of the tensions I definitely see in what different people are doing. Reynolds and Caden are just some of the so many who have had to adapt quickly to gatherings online, leading to changes sometimes being thrown into the mix. Typically during our sermons in person, we use a PowerPoint presentation. But I think just the past two Sundays when with the speakers, we, we're no longer uh, having accompanying overheads because of some of the technical issues and people preferred to see a live person speaking. Pastor Ward Davis leads the Vineyard Church in Ithaca. Aside from the obvious location and technical adjustments, another big aspect of their service gets hit too in the transition. Right, you typically have a band with a guitarist, acoustic guitarist, electric guitar, bass, drums, and we've had to really scale that back. And Instead, so they have different worship do, leaders, accompanied by family members, lead from their homes. It's definitely pretty rough. The, the acoustics, frankly, are pretty bad. I know some churches are putting money into microphones and, and technology to kind of help with that. Um, music, we're doing a mixture of live stuff and recorded. Um, so that's different because normally we, we really like live music and we wouldn't be using recordings. Um, but recording is the only way we can hear more than one voice singing. <laughs> so if we use a recording of a choir or a larger group singing, then that, you know. And you cannot sing together on Zoom. It does not work. We have tried and <laughs> it does not work. That's Lauren Corfine, co-president of the Ithaca Reform Temple. So it's been very hard because it's, you know, part of what really kind of lifts us up is 
is singing beautiful words and beautiful melodies together. And the way we have to do it on Zoom is everybody mutes, one person sings, and we all sing with that one person in our own spaces. So it's hard to have that same community feel and to really feel like we're in it together on the other side. Despite the separation, that's something that hasn't left for the groups we spoke to, the sense of community. I think the biggest thing is just a sense of the joy of realizing that this community is really, is as strong a community as we want to think we are, that we care about each other this much and being together is this important to us and we're not going to neglect it or turn away from it, but really work at making it happen. With live streaming, there's typically some way to interact, whether it be responding to each other verbally on Zoom or using chat functions on things like Facebook and YouTube. But sometimes that goes even further. I know we've been encouraging folks, both the elders and also the congregation at large, also to just communicate with, you know, just to pick up their phone and call somebody or text somebody. And I think sometimes just even getting a, a brief text from somebody goes a long ways. We put together a, a triplet buddy system. So we just sort of put together uh, groups of three and asked those three groups to be in touch with each other in whatever way made sense for them. So if that's weekly emails or phone calls or Zoom calls, just to make sure that everybody's got somebody checking up on them fairly regularly. It's been important for us not only to connect people with any kind of services or support that they might need, but also to help people feel like they're being in service in some way during this time, as they can, of course. Mm -hmm. uh, we break up into small groups two times over the course of the, the Sunday morning service, and the first group is primarily a way for people to meet one another if they don't know already know each other and also an opportunity for them to talk about what's going on in their life and share any needs they might have because we recognize that obviously the danger is is that we have people who are singles who may be feeling isolated and so uh, so one of the ways we attempt to stay connected is by one having a zoom service on sunday but during that service have people break up into smaller groups and we worshipers like akina mckay who attends the vineyard church of ithaca can take a lot of value in that. You know, you don't know everyone very well. And when you go to church, you usually just like hang around or talk to the people that you know super well. And so it's been cool, like talking to other people that I normally wouldn't meet or normally wouldn't get a chance to meet because there's not enough times. You know, it's easy for people to get isolated and feel alone. And some people are really scared during this time. And it's just really important to foster that, you know, level of care. The most important thing for us has been making sure that members of our congregation know that they're not alone. That this, you know, the stay-at-home orders, the virus itself, all of it can be very isolating. We've spent a lot of time communicating with congregants. We have made sure that they know that we are a place they can come to if they're frightened or lonely or hungry or, you know, struggling in some way. We have some people with some mental health challenges, I know. And people, like I said, who live alone because of health issues are really quite fearful, anxious about going out at all. And so I think for them, make, knowing that people are available, checking in, talking with them, being supportive, 
So I think this is an opportunity for us to maybe rethink the habits of our life, our priorities, our relationships, and maybe think about what maybe God would have us change once life begins to kind of resume. On the other side of all of these challenges, the internet goes out, tech, all kinds of technological things. We can't sing together. It's hard to connect with people on a, a squares on a screen. On the other side of that, we're all so grateful that we have this imperfect technology <laughs> through which it's hard to connect because we can still connect. We can still see each other and we can still sort of sing. We can come together with the intention of creating some kind of meaning in all of this, in, in this incredibly scary and uncertain and lonely time. I mean, I'm so grateful for these little squares on the screen. Several people in the congregation who who've had family members and friends who are sick, who've had family members and friends who've died, just being able to connect and greet one another and share some intentional space for an hour together is, is really an incredible gift. How these congregations will get together in person again is still yet to be known. But when they do, the technology and the way they've kept their communities together during the pandemic makes it so when they meet again, it won't need to be as much a reuniting, but instead confirmation of a community that has their backs, even in dark times. For WICB News, I'm Jay Bradley. You're listening to Ithaca Now on 92WICB. There's no denying the coronavirus pandemic is affecting all aspects of life as we know it. One industry being impacted is the food industry, all the way from farms to restaurants. WICB correspondent Himadri Seth reached out to local experts about how the food industry in the area will evolve during the changing times. The one good thing that the pandemic has done for me is that I've started to feel like I have a real talent for cooking to the point where I truly believe that if I had been forced to cook this much in the past, I might have been pursuing a very different career right now. But my newfound cooking skills also come with the realization that this is all at the expense of some of the key constituents of the food industry. Food markets have been some of the most affected during the pandemic, with restaurants across the country temporarily closing and many having to permanently shut their doors as a result of heavy losses. The impacts go all the way down the supply chain to agricultural markets and farmers. Miguel Gomez, assistant professor in the School of Applied Economics and Management at Cornell University with a research focus on food markets and food distribution, talked to us about some of the major disruptions that food markets across the country, and specifically in Tompkins County, are facing. So, as you can imagine, many of the suppliers of food to those outlets, to restaurants, uh, all of a sudden were without customers. And the problem is that it is not easy to repurpose food that goes to, the, to a restaurant to send it all of a sudden to a supermarket. So we have seen that, and that I think that has been the big disruption. Local food banks have also been struggling. We have seen the demand for uh, food in food banks 
going up dramatically, even twofold and triple. Uh, and, uh, and at the same time, food banks have received less donations, uh, including here in, in, in Tompkins County. And, and that has many families are struggling and, and, and food banks are struggling to, to meet the demand. According to Gomez, the shutdown of restaurants has caused a decline in harvesting of perishable products, which are difficult to store. Gomez talked about the alternatives that have helped these farmers continue to make an income. These include forming direct links with households, as well as intermediaries like food hubs, which have played an important role by adapting quickly to help local farmers and households. So, so that has been a bright, you know, spot in the middle of the crisis that, that you see a lot of a lot of response from local and regional food systems, smaller companies that have the ability to shift rapidly to the conditions, they have been able to, 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 to step up in the middle of this crisis. There is a company called Headwater. They are basically a regional distributor of food, not only in, in Tompkins County, but in, in the Finger Lakes region. And they are, they are doing a fantastic job in, in securing that. Becca Rimmel, executive director of the Ithaca Farmers Market, mentioned a similar approach taken by farmers. The farmers market was transitioning to their outdoor season in the beginning of April, but saw a decline rather than the usual rise in the number of farmers this year, as a limit was placed on the number of vendors able to attend the market. A lot of farmers, when this started to happen, really started to look at their business models, which have been dependent on actually being present at a farmer's market to sell to customers. And they have begun to change um, their business models based on social distancing regulations. So some of our farmers who aren't able to attend have started delivery services so folks can order online and have it delivered to their doorstep. Gomez also stresses the importance of e-commerce as the way forward for vendors. One of the results is that businesses and households are doing e-commerce for food, which was slow to take off in, in not only in Tompkins County, but in the US and, and globally. And we see that, that e-commerce of groceries is really stepping up and, 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 uh, and delivering. Despite the innovation in business models, the pandemic has inflicted deep financial wounds on the supply side. Rimmel talked about some of the difficulties that the farmer's market has been facing in terms of funding and their plans to tackle these issues. Most of our budget comes from vendor fees. So each time you see somebody selling at market, they've paid a fee to be able to um, be here on that day. And so these fees have really been cut in half um, for us over the last few months. So we've seen, we'll see some budgetary implications that'll affect or could potentially affect long-term um, market operations. But we're really trying to mitigate that at this point. We're working through some of the federal assistance programs and um, coming up with some creative solutions. And we may reach out to the community to ask for some help um, and some support so that we can continue to be an integral part of the Ithaca community here. The suppliers aren't going to be the only ones to face problems though, according to Gomez. 
shortages continue to affect the demand side today with decreased production in labor-heavy industries like meat. And we might even see financial implications with a possible rise in food prices. One concern more at low, medium term is the, the impact on food prices because this pandemic is making producing and transporting food more expensive um, because there are there are, there are there is not enough product for certain product categories. So food prices may tend to increase. We haven't seen that in the US dramatically, but we have seen that in other parts of the world and that can affect our citizens in, in, in Tompkins County as well. And this is important because at the same time, our incomes are going down. So probably you will, we will see that in the future, a larger share of our income allocated to buy groceries. The phased reopening of the Finger Lakes region has given hope to many people. Gomez predicts that the reopening of the food industry will happen over time, and then the industry will, as he put it, flourish. And they are going to, to grow, and I think our local government and our state government and our federal government, more thinking nationwide, should support the development of, of a more decentralized food system. Because if you have a more decentralized food system, you have you are more protected. It's a more, you, you build a more resilient food distribution network. So, so, so I think these businesses, these regional businesses have a great opportunity to grow and to make a big contribution. Uh, and I think we have seen also in our local stores, Tops, Wegmans and uh, PJs, the demand is very, very strong. He indicates some of the things businesses are going to have to be careful about as reopening continues. We have to be very, very strict on protecting the workers. Because if your workers get sick, we are going to have disruption. So, so, so that has to be a priority to be careful, to take care of the workers working in food production, distribution, retailing, as if they were health workers. I think they should deserve the same, the same level of care. Times are scary, but Gomez says he is still optimistic about a lot of things. And we are seeing that the food supply chain in Tompkins County, but in many places across the state of New York and the country are responding to to are stepping up. There are new business models that are being created and these business models that are more relying on regional and local foods uh, tend to share more revenue with the farmers and ten, tend to share the revenues more equally among, uh, among participants in the supply chain, uh, farmers, processors, retailers and consumers. And uh, I am optimistic that the supply chain with I don't see that we are going to have uh, food scarcity. I don't see that, uh, at least in this country, that would, that's a concern in, in, in some developing countries to have enough food. I don't think that is going to be a problem in this country. I think, uh, I think the, the, this is going to generate 
renewed interest in decentralizing our food system so the food system becomes more resilient. I think consumers are realizing that having avocados, perfect avocados, 12 months of the year, anytime, 24 hours in, uh, in the grocery store, we cannot take that for granted. Uh, so I think households have also learned to adjust their consumption patterns to what's available, to learn how to cook with other ingredients, to appreciate foods that are rich in proteins, proteins that they are different to meat. And I think this, this is also part of the good story. Rimmel also points out some unexpected silver linings. You know, and, I, and so I think this is really drawing attention to, to what people are being paid, how um, what we're, we're terming as essential workers are being treated, how our local food system is operating and how important it actually is to the resiliency of community, the community here. So, yeah, I think there's a lot of really great things coming out of this situation that we wouldn't have ever anticipated. She talks about the ways in which the community can continue to support the farmer's market in Ithaca. So a lot of our folks have put online um, stores up, you know, Etsy stores for our artisans and um, delivery options for local food. And it's, it's really a good way for folks who haven't eaten much local food before to try it out. I mean, we, again, these farmers have this local food. It's touched by less hands. It's usually more nutrient dense. And so this is a, a really good opportunity and an, an important part of our community that a lot of people don't think about all the time. For WICB News, I'm Himadri Said. And that's all for this edition of Ithaca Now. Tune into our podcast one week from now at 7 p.m. for this spring's Best of Show to lead us into the summer. And during the week, be sure to check out our newest podcast, WICB News Presents The Latest. It's a podcast uploaded every weekday to keep you updated on Ithaca, Tompkins County, and beyond. Broadcast both on air or find it for free on your favorite podcasting app. You can find all of our content on WICB.org, and if you'd like to listen to past broadcasts, find our podcast for free on, on our website, WICB.org news, and follow WICB News on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Oh, and before you go, we have some thank yous for tonight. Manager of Television and Radio Operations, Jeremy Menard, especially to our new WICB Station Manager, Sam Ives, and WICB Programming Director, Lou Barron. And, of course, our new staff, Production Director, Celine Tutar, former Executive Director, Bridget Wright, and Correspondents, Himadri Seth, Chella Beeks, and Alex Dean. All of the music in our intro and outro comes from Dr. Dundiff, who hails from Louisville, Kentucky. This was my very first show as your new news director, and I can't wait to bring you some great stories over this next year. Feel free to reach out by emailing news at WICB.org. Thank you for joining us, and have a wonderful rest of your week. I'm Jay Bradley, and this is Ithaca Now on 92 WICB.